Yo, everybody! Jim here from Drink a Beer, Play a Game. Welcome to episode 216 of the Power Hour podcast. How are you doing tonight? Yep, I'm alone. Uh, a couple weeks ago, thanks to scheduling, Brian had to do this solo, so it's my turn. Uh, if you watched last week's episode, he was pretty sick, so he wasn't drinking, and this week we actually just went to too many games. So he picked up a nice case of Concrud on top of it. So, uh, yeah, Brian's dead. Uh, he's dead. He's not coming back. Uh, the dream is over. He will not be returning. The funeral is soon. I will send out those details, but yeah, we wish him a speedy recovery. But, uh, so yeah, I'll be talking about too many games in a little bit. Uh, but beforehand, gotta get through brass tacks and all the usual steps. First up, the beer tonight. Gonna be drinking two of them. So first up comes to us from... The 26 Acres Brewing Company. It is their Reptar Juice, New England style IPA. 7.2% alcohol. Trying to get a decent picture of this. Maybe I'll try and put a better one up, or Brian can put a better one up. But yes, uh, this actually has a ton. Like, it's super hazy. It has a ton of frothy head when you pour it out. So this has had some time to settle, but there's a shitload of lacing. I mean, this is this is a husky boy. If I'm going to be talking by myself for the next hour or so, yeah, I'm going to be needing some drinks. But speaking of talking by myself, haven't done this in a while. So, the Reptar Juice. What's that? I have barely any light. So, please. Okay, I have to get this out of the way, too. So, my good camera, for those watching the YouTube feed, my good camera is still in storage. So, uh, normally my... Uh, my Logitech webcam, it does a pretty good job of picking me up when I'm doing a Zoom call with people. A Zoom call by itself looks like shit, and my older Logitech doesn't play nice with my new Logitech software that I kind of hate. So yeah, the quality is probably not going to be the best, but I'm going to do what I can. But moving on from there, I promise it'll maybe look better next week. Probably not. I'll still be in my friend's basement doing it. But... Flaked oats and wheat give this beer its opaque, hazy appearance and a pleasantly thick mouthfeel. Ample amounts of mosaic and citra hops are added to the fermenter to provide the flavor of citrus fruits. The result is a semi-sweet, super juicy, aromatic, hazy IPA. It'll make a reptar say, hear me roar. So, this is brewed and packaged in Concord, North Carolina. So this is one of those leftovers from when I went to North Carolina a couple months ago. Uh, it is high on the hoppy scale, high on the body, and yeah, pretty on the, it's like medium dark range from their little label they have in the thing. And yeah, I guess that describes it pretty well. Definitely hoppy. Uh, flavor-wise, it's it's a hazy IPA. Um, does not reinvent the wheel at all. It's good. If you like hazy IPAs, you'll probably like this. If not, probably won't change your mind, but... I'm hoping the 7.2% alcohol gives me the juice I need to get through this episode. Gaming. What have I been gaming lately? Uh, not a lot. Uh, actually, almost nothing. So, um, I do have a little bit. I play a little more Mario Odyssey. So, I'm getting close. I think I'm at like the second to last level at this point, or world area you fly to. I forget how they kind of break it down. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm at the second to last. Could be wrong. 
but it's really fun. It's very delightful. I should just get it done one of these days. I'll try to. When I have time, I'll try and do it. But uh, I'm still enjoying it. I did a tiny bit more of Tetris 99. Obviously, still have not won, or you would have heard about it, or I would be a much happier Jimmy this episode. Uh, I actually had one game where I was legitimately knocked out, like number 97. Like, I started the game, I got ganged up on, and it was over. So, that's how my week's been going. But, you know, a few things out there keep me coming back, including the love and support of our wonderful patrons. So, patreon.com slash drink a beer and play a game, where for as little as $2 a month, you can ask a question that we will answer on each and every single one of these Power Era podcasts. And uh, for $1 a month, you can check out in the link below our extra bonus clip from the Krusty Corner. So this week's Krusty Corner is actually basically a Patreon request from Steam. Because where else? Well, actually, probably the Switch would have this at this point. Sex with Hitler, too. So if you want to see me talk about that, for just $1, you can head on over and you can see me give a little discussion about that game. What I think of it and what I might be doing with it. <laughs> but on to this week's questions. So first up from Todd Howard Sucks. What is one of your favorite weapons from a video game? <sighs> Man. Uh, that's a tough one because there's a ton to choose from. There's a lot of cool ones out there. I mean, you can't go with like... Like, say, like, the Vampire Killer from Castlevania 4 when you can control it in all the directions. Uh, the BFG from Doom. Uh, God damn, there's so freaking many. Even for, like, all the COD that I've played throughout my life, I could easily just say, like, the AK-47. Because that's my go-to weapon in that game. So, I guess for, like, usability-wise, I'd say the AK-47 from COD because it's always in COD. It's old faithful. It's always there for me. But for just, like, a cool weapon to use. Man, you know what? I mean, I talk about it too much, but fuck it. Streets of Rage 2, the lead pipe. I love the goddamn pipe. Brian's going to clip that. But, yes, I do love me some pipe. I love just that satisfying whacking dunk sound that it does when you hit people with it. You can hit multiple people with you. And when you swing it around right, it hits people behind you. Especially when you play as Max, because he... Goes behind and then comes forward. So it's like an all-around useful weapon. It's so friggin' good. And um, I, I, where I was talking about it in a different Discord chat t- today, uh, I was talking about Quake 2 randomly. And I just remember loving the super shotgun in Quake 2. Just the way it would just blow those like brutes and just zombified heat marines apart. Like It's just so gory and it was like one-shot killing like almost everything. And you get it pretty early too, so it's pretty overpowered for a long time so i definitely have like there's a lot of super shotguns to like a lot of first person shooters but the one in quake 2 always stood out the most to me but no good question next up from travis lee what is the best clam in a video game now do i talk about my hentai games or do i just uh, in fact I'll, I'll make it harder on myself i'll go legitimate um shit i was gonna say the boss from the submarine level in Star Fox 64. But is that a clam or more of an oyster? Ah, shit, shit, shit. Um, yeah, I think that's more of an oyster, isn't it? 
damn, what the hell's my favorite claim in a video game then? I don't know. You know what? I'm just going to say screw it, and I'm going to say that Star Fox 64 villain is a clam. You can all yell at me later, but that's the closest thing that I can think of right now. Um, do I know of any other clams off the top of my head? Because, like, I'm sure there's clams in other video games, but, like, it always seems like they might be oysters because they always have, like, you know, a surprise in them when you open them up. Like, in Mario 64 and, like, again, Star Fox, uh, when you blow them up, I think they're... I think they're oysters, aren't they? Or maybe they're drawn like clams. God damn it. Because, you know, like, clams in video games are always cool, especially the ones that, like, always give you a power-up or, like, the red coins. or they, It always kind of rewards you for going through the trouble of, like, blasting away at them to open them up. So, yeah, I'll say any one of those. I'm sure there's, like, some clam boss from a video game that I'm totally forgetting about right now, but... Uh, okay, bruh. Okay, why am I thinking so much about Clam? Well, actual Clam. Next up from Burn Retinas. How long before Sony and Microsoft finally decommissioned the servers on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360? I kinda shocked they haven't done it yet. I mean, credit words do. They still have them up, especially Microsoft. Uh, like, I know a lot of games have been delisted or shut down their own personal servers, but... Man, the 360, they're still keeping alive. I guess, like, I would have to imagine that the um, the networks for what controls all the different Xbox Lives, at this point, aren't that different. Like, I think the one in the series are probably run very similarly. So, I'm going to assume that three, 360's days are numbered, because that's been going for, like, what? 14, 15 years now? Like, something crazy. Maybe 18? Because I know the system came out in 2005. So that's actually insane for how long they've been keeping that going. Do they do they go to even 20? Do they do like the 20th anniversary of like Xbox Live on the 360, which was, you know, arguably their biggest success as a console, and then make that the swan song? I don't know. But uh, I didn't it have its like final... Uh, I actually, I didn't have its final like actual firmware update like a couple, like about a year ago. Like, it was, like, a surprise drop, and everyone's like, holy crap, an update for my 360. But, uh, yeah. I I could maybe see them doing something goofy and trying to give themselves a win and saying 20 years of three Xbox Live on the 360, and then they shut it down. So maybe 2025. PlayStation, I'm actually shocked hasn't done it already uh, because I know, like, a year or two ago when there's that big scare that they were shutting down the servers and everyone was starting to buy up the games and the prices for their games exploded. So... Maybe that pushback delayed it a little bit, but I would I would expect PlayStation to shut down their PS3 servers way before Xbox does at this point. So, of course, knowing me, there'll be a news story tomorrow that Xbox is shutting down the 360. So, rest in peace there. It's as dead as Brian. But, yeah, uh, I'll give it a little bit more time, but definitely say Sony will probably shut down first. And that will wrap up the Patreon questions for this week. So, once again, thank you to everyone out there for the support. We actually really do appreciate it. Um, I know Brian's working on uh, Body Harvest for that Patreon review video, and we'll be getting around to doing another uh, bonus episode pretty soon. Doing one of the Patreon requests that we have for that. So, yeah, once again, like, seriously, cheers, guys, and thank you so much for the support. All right, I'm back. And, yes, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, this year we went to too many games, as we have for the past couple years. Uh, it's until this year, it was the only gaming convention that we went to during the course of a year. It's convenient. It's a half hour drive away. So 
there's almost no reason for us to not go ever. But it's it always turns into a fun time, and we've always been able to make it more fun and memorable with like each successive year. But between Brian being sick and not being able to drink, and with me being broke and moving and doing housework, we weren't able to swing a whole weekend like we normally do. So we just went for a day trip on Saturday, and we were only there for like eight hours maybe. We got there like around 3 o'clock, and I think we left around 11. Uh, like I said, Brian stayed sober the entire time because of all his medication, and I drank like a fish. <laughs> but when So the layout was kind of funny because there was only the one main food court. So if you're looking to get some beer... That's the only place you could get it for the first part of the day. And I guess they assume normal people aren't going to drink through the whole thing like some of us do. <laughs> and they only had Miller Lite. So you'd be sitting in this half hour line to get to the front of the food court line. To You know, basically I started double fisting because I didn't want to sit through the lines that often. So even though later in the night I didn't need to double fist, I was just kind of in that mindset. So I was double fisting the entire time I was there. Um... So, yes, we get there, and we 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 went around the uh, tables, and the pricing on the games this year were just next level. Like, it's been getting worse and worse the past couple of years, but it just seems like, like a couple tables had some decent prices on stuff, but for the most part, everyone seemed to just be, everyone just seemed to be gouging more than normal. Uh, like, some of these prices were insane, like, poor Brian. He had his heart set at one point on getting uh, the long box of Resident Evil 1. So vanilla RE1. And on eBay, it goes for about like 90 bucks complete at this point. And the vendor was selling it for 90 bucks. So we're like, okay, this is a contender. He was so hyped for it. So he asked the guy for it. He gave it to him. It was missing the manual and the disc had a crack in the center. So I'm sure if it was complete, it, with the way prices were, it would have been at least 150 to 200 bucks. So he actually wound up not really getting anything game-related, if I remember correctly. He might have gotten, like, one game. Uh, he got a lot of art, though. He got a lot of horror art from some of the people there. Uh, we, when we first got there, we visited our buddy Square Painter, and, or Adam from Rex Viper. And, you know, we always go and say hi. Brian actually bought a piece of art from him, which was... Luigi and Mario, 8-bit style, because his son is super into Mario right now. So uh, that was very cool. Yeah, uh, so we talked to him and Nina, and, you know, it's always good to see them. And he actually had to leave early because Rex Viper was, like, really hardcore about, like, soundcheck this time. Because, unfortunately for them, like, they had their, I think it was last year when they had their first big set in Too Many Games. And the sound quality was kind of off. Uh, like, they definitely had a ton of, uh, like, equipment issues. And a lot of people were just like, oh, these guys suck. The nerd is just, you know, playing up his fame for this crappy band. And, like, like I have played a ton of shows. And I've played a ton of shows where your equipment just does not cooperate. And it sucks. And it's torture. And there's nothing you can do. And it makes it even worse when it's like, their big first show, so everyone's excited about it. So, like, I'll, I'll get to their performance later. So, like, they made sure, like, three hours before, sound check, check all the equipment, do all that crap, one last rehearsal. And also got to give them credit, too, because they only practice for a week. They only, like, all fly in together. They're singers from the United Kingdom. 
So he's got to, like, plan, like, crazy ahead beforehand to get over here. So, yeah, they only have a week to get all their, like, blended songs together. So while they were doing that, we went around to other people on the floor. Uh, we met up with uh, Rob, Quick Paul on Twitter, and we went to our favorite arcade that we did once we saw it at MAGFest, Ice Cold Beer. And we couldn't play it this time because it was taken up by a tournament that was going on. So uh, Rob was part of that tournament. He was doing the professionals bracket. So th- this guy, th- this guy, I wish he was like a surgeon. He has the steadiest hands I've ever seen in my life. And after like the first like one or two, like ones he got in like super easy, like you could just tell he was in the zone and feeling it. He was pointing at the next one. He was doing little spins. He he was he was putting on a performance. And each person who went had to do it twice. And they basically, I forget if it was your best score that counted or if they just combined your scores to see who won. So even after, so he completely finished it his first time through. And it was just like, well, this is over. Um, basically, because like no one else, like I think the best that went before him maybe got to like three quarters of the way up, if that. So he like doubled the next closest score like right away. And so they all did their second rounds. And as he's doing his second round, once again, he just dominated. I think he finished it again. But there was a crowd of people that started to form around him. So between his, like, not showboating, but, like, just, you know, he was putting some flair into his performance. Between it, like, there is, there is where the beer garden was going to be, which is just, like, I'll get the, the beer garden. that They were hyping up in a section, in a second. But... Like, so this beer garden had a bunch of tables set up where people just sitting, but they weren't there for the tournament. They were just, like, there to have a place to sit. And then there's people walking around, but as he's going and everyone's just reacting to every ball that he makes, like, this crowd's just forming. And everyone's getting hyped up and just, like, jaws are dropping at the performance this guy's putting on. Like, he is a master at that goddamn game. So uh, we put the picture up on Twitter and Instagram of uh, he got the first place trophy. Like, it wasn't even a competition. But he's also, like, the nicest guy in the freaking world, too. So, like, you just feel good for him, too. But he, he put on a clinic. Uh, so while we were there, we met up with uh, with uh, Trav, the Ness friend, and Petey, and their friend Seth. Uh, so they were representing the whole Polymedia Network thing. Uh, it's it's always good to see them. We've hung out with Petey and drank with her almost every one of these uh, conventions at this point. And Trav is a super good dude. And Seth's nice. We, you know, we t- talked to him the least over the years, but he's a solid dude. Um, good old, our dear, dear buddy, Blade Blur. He eventually came out of a uh, presentation. He hung out with us the whole time. He's he's like our little puppy dog. He just, he just loves us. He loves being there. We love him. And we just have a great time with him. Um... James Reimer, a uh, guy we hang out with a lot. He's, like, the biggest Shenmue fan in the world, which is funny since I never talk about Shenmue, but he's, like, the ultimate, like, guy who just goes around to, like, all these cons and just schmoozes with everybody. Like, he just winds up, like, being friends with all these guests. I think he wound up, like, getting drunk with David Hayter the night before. Like, levels like that. So, that guy just knows how to talk to the crowd and talk to people. So, he's always a super good time to hang out with. Um... And yeah, eventually we, uh, so we went around the floor a little bit more, uh, sometimes with PD and Trav, sometimes just with us and Blade. Uh, we actually went and played Toxic Crusaders. So uh, Retroware is putting out a new Toxic Crusaders beat-em-up. Uh, beer break real quick. And I mean, the game looks awesome. 
And there is a ton of voice acting in it, which seemed to be pretty well done. The music was good, and they had a couple of TVs set up. So uh, for a little bit, it was just Brian and me playing, and then it was Brian and Blade Blur playing. And they were giving out these little vats of uh, toxic, toxic waste. So at first, it seemed like no one knew if like we were allowed to take them. I mean, Brian and I were just like, yoink, because they had them all sitting there. But by the time we came back, like 10 minutes later, they were almost completely all gone. So yeah, it's just like a gack goo kind of thing. And I, I'm, like, kind of torn, like, I kind of just want to keep it sealed, because cool little memento, but it, I also know it's a, you know, my, my daughter loves playing with, like, goo, like, gack or anything like that, so maybe I'll let her have it, or maybe not. Ha 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 ha. And then we went around to try and buy some games. Oh, uh, Times Crusaders, it was definitely well made. I kind of got bored of it a little fast. I know Brian and Blade were having a lot of fun with it. Um, maybe I need to put more time into it. It seemed like it's, it's a simple control scheme, which is like both good and bad, but I mean, it worked perfectly well and doing team moves was actually like really easy to pull off. So it seems like one, is just like a lot of beat em ups are only fun. If you play a multiplayer, I feel like this is one that like might get boring single player, but it remains to be seen. It's not going to be a day one buy for me, but it's part of me, but it's definitely going to be one that, um, that I will def- get around to. And y- you know me. If they put out a physical, I'm going to be a cuck. And I'm going to buy it. Even though it's going to be a game that I might not even like. And I'm going into it knowing that I wasn't super crazy about it. So, I'm stupid. Don't be like me. But the game for the casual beat 'em up fan might be worth it. Uh, I have a tradition at these conventions. Especially too many games. Where I want to buy at least one uh, Turbo Graphics game. If I can. Every time I'm there. And unfortunately, like, I, I'm at a weird spot. So I didn't buy any Turbo games when I was at MAGFest either because there, there weren't as many. Um, that one is that convention is as much about, like, buying and selling games. Like, that's music and gaming combined. With this one, there's a lot more gaming vendors. And I'm at this weird point where I have a lot of what all the vendors already have. And a lot of what they have that I don't have is more expensive than I want to put into it. Like, I don't want to pay, like, a hundred bucks for Impossible or something like that. So, I'm, I'm at a weird point. Because there's stuff I did want. And like, there was a couple games I saw that I was like, oh, I could, like, go for this. But then it would either be, but it would be, like, missing the manual. And i just go, eh. And I could go and complete it later. But, like, I don't want to go to a convention and have to complete a game. You know what I mean? So I did wind up getting two uh, pickups. So first up, like Brian actually talked me into, and I don't know why it took him to convince me because, like, I'm a big fan of the series, uh, Star Trek Encounters. So actually by Bethesda, which really shocked me. Uh, this was only ten bucks, and you can play as a ton of different ships from the Star Trek universe, and they say it's like a shoot 'em up arcade space combat game. So. My PS2 is still in storage, but I really want to get around to playing this. Like, this sounds super fun. And I always fall, like, into these dark holes on Twitter of just, like, channels that talk about, like, all these ships from Star Trek. I do nerd out over that. And was that English? Did I just go, or did I actually say, like, nerd out over that? It's been a long day, man. I don't sleep a lot. I do. It's just nothing but housework and this. But, um, 
outside of that, one more game. 32X game. Cosmic Carnage. So, if you remember Classic Game Room, uh, this is one of those games that he always talked about. Like, he talked about it all the time, up there with, like, Musha. And we, back when we started the page, we actually did, like, play this and emulate it. Because uh, when we were, like, planning on doing every single fighting game, and then we got burned out on that. And, you know, now we're a podcast page mainly. But this is one that I always wanted to get for my collection. And complete in box for 40 bucks actually isn't that bad of a price. Uh, the box is a little bit beat up. Uh, there's a there's a nice little gouge missing out of the back of the box. But, yeah, um, again, everything's in storage. I do want to play this. Like, I know going into it, it's not a great fighting game. As far as, like, you can just kind of tell it was, like, half finished. Like, I know they tried to, like, storyline it by being like, oh, half of the people have all this combat armor that you can, like, intersperse, and half of them don't. It's like, well, you just didn't get around to it, and you just, like, shit the game out there. And it's got slowdown issues, and it's not really pushing the 32X to its limits either, but it does have a weird charm to it. Like, it's really slow. But, I don't know, it's probably just the uh, CGR marking me. But it's just like, yeah, I still kind of always just wanted to have it. And I think it's the first 32X game I've bought in, God, at least five years. So, like, I am a 32X fan. So I figured, what the hell? And yeah, that's really all of my pickups from the convention. So after that, we decided to go over to Arnold's, which is a bar that is right across from the parking lot. Uh, and that's where Rex Viper is going to play. So the actual the music acts were Rex Viper, Psycho Stick, and Crush 40. So it's like, cool. Um, I've actually seen Psycho Stick before. They're around Philly. Like My buddy used to play in metal bands, so he actually opened for them before. And Crush 40, I was like, oh, shit, the Sonic Band? This could be awesome. Um, so, as we're walking over there, uh, quick note. The convention center, the Philly Expo Center, is right next to the Perkyoman Township sewer treatment plant. So, when that thing started kicking up, you could really smell the uh, shit odor with chlorine mixing together during the treatment process. So, that was delightful for a lot of people who are not used to it. Uh, that's just a fun little aside. Be on the lookout for that if you ever come to too many games. But yeah, so we get over there, and there was, like, a long-ass line that was starting to form already for, like, the show. So it's basically, like, the stage is next to a bowling alley, and it's not the biggest spot in the world. So we're, Brian and I were kind of just like, um, fuck this. And we, like, there's a bar that is in the back that directly looks at the stage. So we just got a spot at the bar. And funny enough, we were sitting there for like a good 10 minutes before we realized that Trav and Michelle were right next to us the entire time. It's It was like that uh, scene in Anchorman where uh, like Ron Burgundy looks over and he's like, have you guys been here the whole time? And they're like, yeah, we've literally been here the entire time. So we were just like, oopsies. But uh, yeah, we were there. Um, Blade Blur met up with us eventually. Oh, before that. We met up with our buddies from Reliving Retro, uh, the podcast, uh, Rigney and Yeiser. And, man, Rigney was just, he was he was willing and dealing. Like, he he's he, on his podcast, he's running this series right now where he's, like, building a Super NES collection from scratch. So he was trading in a lot of stuff that he already had and just spending some bank in general. Uh, and he got a ton of heavy hitters. He got, like, Wild Guns and Earthbound and Chrono Trigger and a whole bunch of other games. 
So, I mean, I know he did a lot of trading to go towards that, but he still spent bank while he was there. Um, I don't know if Yeiser actually bought any games, to be honest with you. Uh, and uh, Rigney's brother was also there. He was a nice guy. Um, so, yeah, while we're there, we're talking to them. We're talking to Petey and Trav and Seth. Uh, eventually, we see my buddy Matthias, Matthias Thasher, the pro wrestler. He does the cosplay pro wrestling that happens there every year. Always a good time seeing him. I was pretty much half in the bag by the time I met him, so hopefully I wasn't too drunk and obnoxious, but it's always good seeing him. And we also uh, met up with Dan Greenberg. Uh, when Tyrion, I'm terrible with saying like people's ats on Twitter. Like, I'm awful with it. Like, with Blue Williams, when I thought her name was like Wistery View, when it was, you know, Writer's View, but with a Y, because, you know, I'm stupid. So, sorry, Dan, I don't know how to say your Twitter at, but, you know, talk to him for a little bit. And then we also ran into, finally ran into Scarlet Sprites, uh, Joe from Scarlet Sprites, who we've been wanting to meet up with for like a couple conventions now, but it just never worked out. So there's actually a lot of people we didn't get to see, which kind of sucked, but you know, the timing doesn't work out with it, but we'll try to do it at other conventions. But we were talking to him for a good chunk of the time. Uh, Rex Viper set went off without a hitch. Uh, Like it was actually really, it was actually really good. Like I know people criticize him a lot, but uh, they are, they put on a really, really solid set. And I remember Psycho Stick being fun, and I don't remember Crush 40 set. So that's when the booze took over, completely. So I don't know how obnoxious I was being at that point, because it's me. But yeah, we might have actually left before them. I couldn't tell you. I'm pretty sure they played, but I, I don't remember. Um, so yeah, at that point, we left around like, you know, 11, 11.30ish, got home. Uh, had some Wawa and passed out, and I was hungover as shit the next day. Wasn't the worst hangover I've ever had in a convention, and at least I was, like, in a home bed where I could fight it off and wasn't in, like, a hotel room sharing with Brian trying to fight it off like uh, I was at MAGFest. So there's that at least silver lining there. But, yeah, even for only being able to do the one day, like, it was super fun. Um, Actually, yeah, after the set, I was actually able to talk to uh, Brad, the drummer from X-Viper, for a little bit. And... So when he went on stage, he was like all decked out in his full on 80s outfit. Because, you know, they mix 80s songs with video game music. And like he had the headband. He had glow to stick neon drumsticks. This big ass like bright turquoise and pink and green um, jacket on. So like two songs in, he rips that thing off. I was like, oh, this guy is hurting back there. Like I once played a set where I wore a hockey jersey. The Flyers were in the playoff that year. So I was like, I'm going to show my Flyers pride and I'm going to wear a hockey jersey during the set. But, you know, I didn't, you know, put into account that hockey's played on ice where it's cold. So you can get away with it being, you know, heavy and keep it in some heat. Yeah, that's not good for when you're playing some shitty dive bar that's already hot and muggy. And I was dying during that set. And since I'm a fat, fat daddy, I wasn't wearing anything under it either. So I was in no position to take off my jersey. So at least luckily for Brad, he had an undershirt on. And I'm talking to him after the set. And he's telling me that, like, he had just, like, ordered it basically. I, I don't know if it was last minute, but when it came in, he didn't realize that it was, like, an actual ski jacket from the six from the 80s. So, like, once again, it was just made to keep in all the heat, especially since, you know, you're skiing on slopes in the snow. So... Yeah, he was he was dying quick. So that poor guy. But I, I know that pain. I've been there. But he's always super nice to talk to. 
But yeah, um, that pretty much wraps it up. So it was short. It was sweet, but it was a super fun time, and we're glad we did it. Uh, Brian being extra sick right now after, I'm sure he's kind of regretting it, possibly. But uh, I've been there. I've had Concrud before. The first too many games we ever went to, I had Concrud after that, and I had to watch my daughter by myself the next day. And that was when she was still an infant, and that was a nightmare of a day. That was one of the mo- that was one of the hardest days of my life ever as a parent. So yeah, I feel for him right now. But if you've never been to too many games, definitely make sure to go out, uh, check it out. It's always a fun time. Ton of it's like it's got a cool vibe where like everyone's just like kind of happy to be there. And if you're like us, who's like you know a lower level creator, let's be honest here. Um, like it, thanks to the podcast, we've been able to meet and talk to a lot of people. So it's just cool that it's like it's exciting to meet the people and hang out with them in real life that you just talked to before through a computer. So that's always just a ton of fun. I gotta say, like, hazy IPAs are good, but they're not exactly what I would ever call refreshing. Especially when you're, like, wrecking your throat to do a podcast by yourself. Like, drinking it is okay. It's definitely, like, you know, wetting the whistle, but it's not, it's not saving me. Like, this could have been a night I could have really gotten away with, like, a bunch of, like, Coors Lights or something. Or Keystone. Or Bud Light. It's Actually, when we were getting to the uh, con floor. Oh, shit, the beer garden. I almost forgot the beer garden. So... First, when we were getting to the con floor, what do you call it? Brian was like, Jim, don't you get your goddamn Bud Lights. Because I was just going to I was gonna be double-fisting Bud Light all day and gating up. Like, fuck it. What do I care? Been funny. But, yeah, the beer, th- the normal beer stand didn't have it. I don't think the beer garden had either. And we were talking to Dan from Console Wars because he was there the day before. He was only able to swing one day. And he was like, oh, you guys got to check out the beer garden. That motherfucker. He's a funny guy. Because this beer garden was bullshit. It was basically one of those stand-up coolers. It wasn't open until like 6 o'clock at night. Uh, They wheeled out a bunch of liquor bottles. And the beer selection was like... It was like Pabst, Rolling Rock, uh, Coors Light, Amstel Light, I think. uh, Maybe one craft beer. Uh, So I got like a couple Rolling Rocks. But I'm looking at it and I'm like, God damn you, Dan. You really had me hyped up for this beer garden. But yeah, when it just came out, it was like a wet fart. But I mean, at least it was another spot to buy beer. So there was that. But uh, yeah, next year, guys, if you're going to like hype up a beer garden, make it like an actual kind of beer garden thing and open it up earlier. Like, I know, I, I guess for like liability purposes, maybe you don't want people starting to drink earlier, but you're selling beer anyway. So what's the point in having another spot? What's the harm? That's what I say. But yeah, in summation, the prices sucked, but the people were awesome. Definitely go to too many games if you can. All right, now let's move on to the news for the week. All right, so I'm recording this on the 27th. So we're about, like, I don't know, four days away from, like, it's pretty much confirmed at this point. Like, the Titanic sub, it imploded. They're all dead. It's very funny for four of the people on board and tragic for one, for the 19-year-old. So, you know, it is what it is. But... One of those weird things that happens during events like this. Uh, people go looking for the meme game to play. And there is a game that was on Steam. It was already out there for a long time by uh, the guy who made Dusk. His name is David Szymanski. I probably fucked that up. But uh, yeah, he has a game called Iron Lung, which he released a while ago. So obviously it wasn't you know timed along this. I mean, it's been out for years since before 2014 and he's just like 
he put up a chart that just said, and he wrote, this feels so wrong. So he's got like the sales chart going there. And I don't know if it's in thousands or hundreds or what the scale is, but on the left-hand side, it's, you know, going by tens and it's shown by year. So 14, June of 15, June of 16, all that. And it stayed like mostly consistent the entire time, never really breaking like the 15 mark. And yeah, uh, it shot up to like almost 40. So whatever that unit is there, but that charge just exploded. Cause I don't know that much about the game itself, but yeah, basically it's just a game where you're in a little submarine trapped by yourself and I'm assuming some shit goes wrong. And actually, oh wow, he's a PA boy. I'm gonna have to I'm have to see if we can talk to this guy sometime. He's just like, Yeah, like I'm happy to see like, you know, the sales and all, but you know, it just it doesn't feel right. And the poor guy, uh what else did he say about it? All right, so random outlets keep writing articles about me being uncomfortable with the iron lung sale spike, and then the replies are filled with this gift, and yeah. And it's the gif of, uh, what do you call it, Woody Harrelson from Zombieland wiping his eyes with dollar bills. <laughs> so you know what, man? Good on you. Get those sales. You know what? Fuck it. Uh, I mean, do you feel bad people died and you profited off it? Yeah. But he didn't directly, well, I guess he did directly profit off it. He didn't intend to profit off it. Ha 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 ha. That's how it works. And so, you know, you know, a couple people flew a little too close to the sun and one guy seems to make a good deal out of it. So, you know what I say? I say good for you, David. You have nothing to feel bad about. All right. Moving on. Um, this came out of nowhere. Uh, our buddy Kit turned us on to this. Uh the link below is going to be to a Yang Yi video where he kind of breaks it down. But Google Stadia is like kind of coming back. So as we all know, Google Stadia, colossal failure. Like every way that it was implemented was terrible. Uh, obviously, the worst thing that they did was charging full price on games while being a cloud only streaming service. And, you know, I famously, when they first announced it, was defending it, saying, if someone has the money to throw at to make it work, it's going to be Google. And man, how fucking wrong was I? Because in June, because eh? January of this year, they shut it down. Now, I mean, at least good on them. They did a lot of refunds to people uh, for the price of the games that they paid or for the equipment that they did. Like, I still have a sealed founders pack because of uh, their promotion. If you sign up for YouTube Red or Premium, whatever they fucking call it now. You give you a free set, and I never opened it, never used it. But so that's going to be one of those gaming oddies that I have forever. But yeah, they still, like, I never used it, but I have friends who did. And everyone I know who used it, they're like, the technology's pretty cool. And by the end, it was working pretty damn well. So it seems like they were really throwing money behind the project to like, improve it and make it better. Because I know at first it kind of ran like shit. But eventually they made, like, a really good thing out of it. So instead of just, like, completely, like, throwing away all that hard work, apparently they're now going to be implementing a plan where it's going to be, like, a YouTube gaming setup. So you can be on YouTube and I guess you can go to certain videos or just, like, games himself and just start streaming them and playing them almost like you would through Stadia. So there's no real details on it yet. There's no details on pricing or how it's going to be going down. But, I mean... Google already owns YouTube, which is like the biggest video platform out there. 
and they already own all this tech for Stadia. To me, if they want to salvage the project, it kind of makes sense. Now, will they do the right thing and learn their lesson from all their fuck-ups and trying to implement this? I couldn't tell you. I'm not exactly confident that they will. But, I mean, there's a chance. There's always a hope. Maybe someone learned something. Like you Basically, just do everything you did before and do the opposite. Like, at this point, like just do completely different from what you did before. Like, you know, make it... I would say even... Fucking treat it like iPhone games if you're just going to have it be streaming only. Like, you know, if it's going to be people who have YouTube accounts but don't pay for YouTube, then throw ads at them. Or if they do have YouTube premium, then give them a selection of games that they can just stream anytime they want. Um, Or, I mean, they'll probably do the shit like they do where you can pay a couple bucks to stream a movie or pay to quote-unquote own it on YouTube. Like, pay 15 bucks, which I think is fucking stupid, but... I'm sure there's people out there who do it. So, yeah, like, I would hate that option. But, I mean, if you almost make it, like, kind of like, like, kind of like how Amazon Prime, I think it is, or maybe Netflix, they're implementing some games into it, but, like, a more robust way and using an actual controller, it it, it could be cool. Is it going to work? I'm going to say based on past history, most likely not. But there is a chance. But yeah, I mean, hearing that Google Stadia was being resurrected in some way was completely, 100%, the last thing that I was expecting to hear. All right, um, speaking of things that I was not expecting to hear, this comes to us from IGN. And Microsoft basically admits that Xbox has lost the console wars as it battles for the $69 billion Activision Blizzard buyout. I cannot talk today. So yes, Xbox is in third place behind PlayStation and Nintendo with a sales market share of 16%. Whew. So, I mean, this is just another notch in this Activision Blizzard acquisition that's been going on for all these months now. That's been giving this podcast endless content over the years. And, I mean, part of me kind of hopes it never ends because it always gives us something to talk about at least. But yeah. Uh, so they are fighting the Federal Trade Commission in the United States. The way they're fighting the CMA in the UK, they're fighting the FTC over here. And Microsoft is basically saying that they lost to console wars. Like, this is like, this feels like a Hail Mary to me. But in a section of a document submitted by Microsoft, describes its entry into the gaming industry in 2001 was outsold by both Sony and Nintendo by a significant margin. And it hasn't stopped losing the console wars ever since. So they are consistently ranked third of three behind PlayStation and Nintendo. Uh, and in 2021, they had a share of 16%. So apparently the shares of Nintendo and uh, PlayStation were redacted. But yeah, uh, the console revenue and share of consoles used by gamers, the install base, is at 21%. While everything else makes up the other 79%. So yeah, that is uh, not looking good. So they go on to argue that as a result, it is betting on a different strategy by generating profit through sales games, game sales, duh, rather than console sales and selling its consoles at a loss, which, I mean, that's fancy speak for consoles, but every one of these people uh, sells, their, sells their consoles at a loss. I don't think Nintendo really does, but I know PlayStation definitely does, and you just got to assume Microsoft does too. 
Like everyone kind of lives and dives by the amount of so- uh, software sales that they have. If you're just like the Wii is like an anomaly where it sold 100 million units, but the software sales kind of sucked. Like you never see stuff like that anymore. But yeah. Um, and it's part of a much larger defense, which seeks to pause its six since the FTC wants to pause the acquisition with a preliminary injunction. So they want to stop the merger due to concerns that it would allow Xbox to dominate the games market in part by making games such as Call of Duty Xbox exclusive, something Microsoft has vehemently denied it would do. Meanwhile, Microsoft is arguing that its status as third place makes the merger necessary to cement itself as a viable competitor with its rivals. So this is kind of going off what we've been saying since day one. And it's funny that even in the earliest of projections of like doing this acquisition, it still would have only made it like the third longest, largest video game publisher in the world. Either publisher or developer, I forget what. It was going to be behind Tencent and uh, something else. I forgot what the other one was. So like, it's still not like they were like the end all be all. It was just like a thing that they really need to give them a leg up on the competition. Because God knows they don't know how to do it in house. The uh, jury is going to still be out on Starfield. I know a lot of people are pissed that that's only going to be a 30 frames per second, which to me, it's insane that they don't like offer like apparently I, I, I think their strategy is like they're really banking on like having it show off like the graphical capabilities of the Series X and PCs. So it's locked at 30 frames, which I don't care about. I know there's a ton of gamers out there who say 30 is unplayable to which I say, shut the fuck up. I grew up in the goddamn fifth gen. I know something about frame rates and games are still playable with bad frame rates. Like variable frame rates are way more annoying, but like a steady bad frame rate isn't the worst thing in the world. You will get accustomed to it. And 30 isn't unplayable. You friggin' babies. God, you spoiled ass babies. I fucking hate Zoomers. But, and I'm also old and bitter. (sighs) But yeah, anyway. So yeah, it's just weird to me that they don't offer like a lower resolution option that runs at 60 frames. To me, that's crazy. So they're really banking on like, you know, pushing out these graphics with this game. Uh, And with the scope of it, like Microsoft needs a win. So, I mean, Redfall was such a disaster for them that, yeah, I mean, they, they, they can't make games in house that people want. So, you know, they buy these things and, they buy these companies, and I think this is Starfield Bethesda. Like, I've looked so little into Starfield that I couldn't even tell you. Let me look it up right now. Yeah, it's Bethesda. So, um, yeah, I mean, they bought Bethesda. They bought all that back catalog. Like, this is a win Microsoft needs to have that acquisition be worth something to make a system seller for the Xbox brand, which they definitely do not have right now. Like, Halo's in the shits. Forza is what it is. Gears is what it is at this point. Like, who really cares? But they need something that people want to go out and buy a system for. Or at least buy a shitload of games that they can make money off of. So, yeah. I mean, it's probably not the worst strategy in the world to say, hey, we kind of suck and we've always sucked. This merger will only, like, keep us competitive. It could work. It kind of feels like a Hail Mary because who wants to say they suck? Maybe the the whole thing with the FTC has been going way worse than they thought, so they have to do something like this. That's what I'm kind of getting from it, but let me know what you guys think. Is this a Hail Mary, or is this just some sweet talk, and they have the money to say, we can say what we want, we can say we suck, it doesn't matter, we just want this deal to go through. 
And like always, do you guys even want this deal to go through? Let me know below. We love hearing from you. Next up comes to us from Eurogamer. Uh, this just dropped a couple weeks ago. Alan Wake 2 is digital only because it gives Remedy more time to polish. So a big controversy was basically when Remedy was told people that Alan Wake 2 was just going to be digital only. Everyone's like, well, what, well, WTF, why? And it's going to be coming out on October 17th, and it has no plans for a physical release on disc at that time. So they basically are saying that it allows them more time to polish a game to an acceptable level, which Epic Games is also on board with, and they're the publisher. And so according to, what is his name? Kyle Rowley. Uh, he is the game director, and according to the creative director, Sam Lake. So, yeah, it is digital only and kind of coming to this idea, both from Remedy and Epic's perspective. That's our current thinking. It just makes us feel sense for this, and the timing is right, like explained before Rally gave some more detail. As creatives, obviously, by going digital only, it does allow us more time to polish. Like a significant amount of time, weeks, actually. Because otherwise, the game that goes to disc, obviously, it has to be playable without a patch. So, I mean, yeah, but playable without a patch is such a nebulous term at this point. Like, how many games basically come out dog shit broken, and they have a day one patch to make it just completely playable? And we're so used to it at this point, we just go, oh, here's a fucking 100 gigabyte day one patch. This is annoying, but it's the state of games these days. But he, so I think that's some fancy wording right there. But he is kind of 100% right about the timing. Because you need time for a game to be considered, you know, the game is gold. Which means that it's ready to be pressed and printed on games. And to get that backlog to get out the stores. So you need to be ready, I think. What are you, like, two months before the actual release date to be, like, gold to get everything out on time and to get it ready? Could be wrong about that, but it is a significant amount of time. So they are also saying that not releasing a disc helps keep the price at $60 on PC, which, man, I, like, I, I get, like, games are more expensive to make at this point, but I, I it still, like, annoys me that like, if I'm not going to have a physical thing to hold in my hand, that you're charging 60 bucks, which means if they did a physical, it would have been at least 70 bucks. So, again, that's the state of gaming these days. And, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like, all right, you know, if you want to charge more, make sure that you char give me more on the disc. But, like we all know, a lot of these companies just aren't doing that. They're just saying, well, golly gee shuckers, all these games are more expensive to make, so we got to charge more. So, yeah, we're we're just going to get raped for the rest of foreseeable future. But uh, they said that they finally did not want to ship a disc product and have it require a download for the game. We do not think that would make a great experience either. Which, again, that's just stupid fancy talk because everyone already does it. It's not a big deal. So, yeah, what do I get from this? Uh, I get that the game might not be as ready as they want it to be at this point. So... If they're just, you know, basically saying, uh, yeah, no physical, we want to have all the time that we can to make our deadline for this game. Uh, Remedy Studios is probably really banking on this. I don't think even the first down wig was that big of a hit. That was more like a cult hit. But there's a lot of hype behind it. So, you know, this could be one of those make or date, uh, break situations. And I forget who said this. I forget if it was another article about it or it was like a tweet where someone was kind of like, 
you know, there's no plans right now for physical, but it doesn't mean that in the future they couldn't, you know, release a physical for the people who want it. So, I mean, that could be a way we see of it going forward. Like games just religion, uh, releasing digitally at first for the people who want to get them right away. And then, you know, eventually a smaller print run of physical copies for anyone who would either want to double dip or would just wait for that. So, I mean, I guess that might not be a bad strategy because it gets you to double dip money. And, you know, you don't have to put as much of an investment into a bunch of copies that might not get ever sold. But I don't know, like, this seems like one of those cornerstone moments where it's like, this is like the first real big thing where it's like, huh, maybe a lot of stuff, like, this is like the biggest game I can think of that just basically said, no, we're staying digital only. And I know with the exception of Switch, like, any physical pressing is just, it's a CD key. And... Like, you almost can't play any games just directly off a disc anymore. They don't have enough space on them. So, yeah, like, the whole concept of having a physical copy of a game's kind of dead as it is anyway, but it's still kind of nice to have the shelf candy. It's still nice to have something that has some of the game data on it that you can, like, you know, potentially save for whatever. But, I don't know. This just, I don't know, this is giving me weird vibes. It's giving me that kind of feeling of, like, this is almost like the beginning of the end. It's obviously going to be a very, very slow process, but, you know, if it works out for Alan Wake just doing it this way, a lot of people are going to fall suit. It's a very copycat industry. And that leads us to our last topic of the night. And lucky for me, this just actually dropped today. Uh, so, like I said, recording on Tuesday the 27th, the trailer, the first official trailer for the Five Nights at Freddy's movie just dropped. Uh, it's about two and a half. It's about two minutes long, and I'll le- the link will be below. Like we're not gonna play it here for you, but I'm kind of I'm interested in it. So it's uh you know being made through Blumhouse, and for those of you who don't know, Blumhouse has been like I'll have to talk to Brian. I, I once again I wish he was here for this, but I think Blumhouse might be one of the most like important movie studios when it comes or at least distributors when it comes to horror movies of like the past decade like they have taken so many movies and horror movies and franchises and just like put them out to the masses or made it so that these movies could actually get made like i think between like them and probably a24 even though a24 is also known for their like high concept art house movies like those are some of the guys who are really keeping horror on the map not everything's good from blumhouse they put out a lot of crap too but for the most part, they put out a lot of enjoyable stuff. So this movie does, it looks interesting. The animatronics look pretty cool. Um, I i never played beyond the first one, so I don't know like the deep lore of the series and all the stories and crap like that. Um, I don't know, like the main character, security guard guy, he, I forget his name. He played uh, PETA in the Hunger Games. He's your security guy who gets hired to just like, you know, watch the place at night. As the animatronics come alive, uh, there's a cop who talks to him, talking about all these murders and children who went missing. I think he has a daughter. There's a little girl in the trailer, too, who, like, you know, wanders her way there and becomes friends with, like, the Freddy Fosbear, apparently. So, like, and they, they go through all these different little set pieces that they cut to. So, I'm kind of interested, because it seems like they're going way more into it with, like, these death traps and kind of things like that than just, you know, trying to hide from these scary animatronics who can come kill you. Unless you lock the doors in time. So they're definitely going to be adding on to that overall lore. I don't, I'm like, I'm a little worried about them potentially overcomplicating it. 
still from first look, it looks like it'll be a fun watch. I don't know offhand if it's getting a wide release. Uh, let me see here. Uh, when the night shift starts, watch the trailer. All right, in theaters and streaming on Peacock. Pe- oh, man. Peacock fucking sucks. Peacock is like the worst goddamn streaming platform. If you. The WWE Network going from its own proprietary service, which was awesome to Peacock, was such a goddamn downgrade. Uh, that's the one thing, like, the Canadians have over us is the fact that, you know, they still have the WWE Network uh, as we knew it and loved it. But besides that, so yeah, Theaters of Peacock on October 27th, uh, right in time for Halloween. So that is the perfect time to release a movie like this. I hope for the love of God, it's only an hour and a half long tops. Like, this does not need to go longer than 90 minutes. Why the fuck is Burt Kreischer's The Machine movie an hour and 52 minutes long? In what goddamn world is that okay? Who said we need an hour and 52 minutes of a Burt Kreischer movie of based on a one stand-up bit? <sighs> but I digress. Uh, the trailer itself looks cool. I'm sure we'll be talking about it with Brian uh, next week uh, to get his thoughts on it because, you know, he's the horror guy. <laughs> you know, God forbid he not tell you that every 10 seconds, but... Uh, Sorry, Bri, you know, like I said earlier, rest in peace. But yeah, looks like a fun movie. It's definitely one that I do want to go watch. Um, who knows? Maybe for the page, Brian and I will just take a day and go see it. Do it as a bonus episode because it's right up our alley. And you know what? It looks fun. Definitely cannot bring our kids to it, though. But yeah, uh, make sure to check the link out below. Check out the ep- the trailer. Let us know what you think. Is this a movie you want to go see? Um, like I said, it looks interesting. The world of video game movies is in a weird spot. Uh, last week we didn't get around to it, but like there were details that like, of course they're making the Legend of Zelda movie now. I think the people who did Mario movies gonna be doing it. So, I mean, they nailed the Mario movie, but you know you can't make a Zelda movie that goofy. From you know, if you ask me, and there is like a trail, uh, another teaser that came out for the Twisted Metal show, which I mean Samoa Joe looks good as Sweet Tooth, but just tonally I was just like, eh. So that's another, I think that's another one coming to Peacock, isn't it? I might be right. I'm probably wrong. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's video game media. It's in a different spot right now and might be some of the best quality we've ever seen. So this remains to be seen, but I'm, I am cautiously optimistic, as they say. Um, and yeah, that will wrap up this episode. My throat is killing me right now. Um, Doing these by myself is rough. You know, those, even those having those times to just let Brian talk, to let my voice rest before giving my opinion, uh, it just makes such a difference. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, sorry about the video quality for the YouTube feed portion of it. Um, hopefully I'll be out of this basement soon and I can have like a real setup again. Uh, as far as the beer goes, like I said at the beginning... It is the Reptar Juice. It is a perfectly fine hazy IPA. I, I have nothing to say about it. If you've had one hazy IPA, for the most part, you've had them all. This is just another one. But if you like them, it's fine. You'll probably enjoy this one. And that will do it for tonight's episode, guys. Once again, thank you for checking this out. Uh, if you're new to the page, make sure to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Sub to us on all of them. Leave comments and reviews on all of them. It would really help us out. And once again, check the links below to the Patreon exclusive uh, segment if you want to get more of this podcast. Or for more tiers, you can get 
our bonus episodes where we review movies, have game review requests, movie review requests, all kinds of good shit. Hopefully Brian will be back next week. He should be. And uh, yeah, have a good week. And until then, guys, cheers.